It's a great quote I came across recently by Tambra Bolton. It says this, this is the day we pay homage to all those who didn't come home. This is not Veterans Day. It's not a celebration. It's a day of solemn contemplation over the cost of freedom. And so before we get into our study, 23rd Psalms today, I felt it appropriate that we just pause, we reflect, we pay honor and tribute and respect to those who did not make it home. And so could we collectively just enter a moment of silence and prayer, praying for those families, maybe some who are seated in this worship center today who know all too well what it feels like to lose someone in service to our country. So would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for the men and women who selflessly serve and have served, and especially for those who paid the ultimate price, sacrifice their own life in pursuit of freedom, the freedom that we have as Americans. God, today, we're thankful for their service. We're thankful for their sacrifice. And even though we will celebrate this weekend with loved ones and friends and barbecues and pool parties, help in the midst of all of that to be an understanding, a recognition, and appreciation for what this weekend truly does symbolize. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Young Sung Kim is a Korean painter. He has spent his whole life seeking to bring to life familiar stories from scriptures, so familiar biblical stories. This Korean painter creates these masterpieces, if you will, that help us maybe understand more about what that particular text is saying or what it might have been like to be a part of it. So I wanna put a picture, one of his paintings on the screen. You can see it here. It's called The Hand of God. It's Matthew chapter 14. Very familiar story to most of us in this room. Jesus has called Peter out on the water. Peter begins to sink, ultimately potentially going to drown and Jesus does what? He reaches out his hand to save him. That's the perspective in this painting. Today, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to 23rd Psalm, Psalms 23. And oh, by the way, I want us to look at one of the most famous paintings in human history, 23rd Psalms. It's not the Mona Lisa, it's not the birth of Venus, it's not the starry night, most beautiful, famous, rich, significant paintings in all of human history, 
23rd Psalms. I'll read you a quote. Don't take it based on my word. Take it from the great Max Lucado. Listen to what Max Lucado says about Psalms 23, verse 2, which is our verse today. He says this. In the second verse of the 23rd Psalms, David, the poet, becomes David, the artist. His quill becomes a brush. His parchment, a canvas, and his words paint a picture. A flock of sheep on on folded legs encircling a shepherd. Bellies nestled deep in the long shoots of grass. A still pond on one side, the watching shepherd on the other. 23rd Psalms, a beautiful painting. Would you stand with me this morning? Can we read God's word together as a community? We're going to read verses one and two. It says this, and you know these verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Father, it's your word to us this beautiful painting that you have given us. As we study it today, help it to bring us comfort. Father, help us to see its truth. And ultimately, Father, most importantly, help us to apply it to our life. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, this text, the 23rd Psalms, It's a series of metaphors. It's a series of metaphors, and we're going to talk about those metaphors today. And and David, as he writes this, is using this analogy of shepherd and sheep. Shepherd and sheep. And so last week, Ben talked about verse 1. He talked about the relationship and the need of a shepherd when it comes to sheep, that we need a shepherd to guide us and to lead us in life. Oh, by the way, Ben is doing quite well. How many of you have been praying for him? If you don't know, yes, you can clap. That's a good thing to clap for. If you don't know, last week on Thursday, Ben Young had open heart surgery. Uh, He had a a valve that needed to be repaired, uh, replaced, and so they've done just that. The surgery was successful. Ben is still recovering and resting, but he is going to be just fine. I want to invite you to continue to pray for he and Chrissy and the young family. He wanted me to make sure he asked that I communicate to all of you this morning how much he appreciates your prayers, your concern, and we continue to lift up Ben as he recovers. So David in this verse is using this analogy, and that's important for us to understand because we have to interpret it that way. We have, to, we have to look at this text through the lens, if you will, the eyes of a shepherd when we read this. We have to encounter it in that way. And that's, that's difficult because I don't know, maybe you're like me, I don't know a lot about sheep. Can I get a show of hands? Who is ignorant when it comes to this type of world, right? David, however, when David wrote this text, he was writing to a group of people, for the most part, nomadic people, simple people, who knew a whole lot about the outdoors, who knew a whole lot about livestock, who knew a whole lot about what that required, what that took. They knew a lot about shepherding and they knew a lot about sheep. 
And so when they heard this, when they read this, it would have brought up and it would have been instantaneous awareness of certain truths that are in this text. How many of you uh, grew up being a part of FFA? Anybody? FFA? Show your hands with pride. That's all right. Go ahead. You got the jackets and all that. We know how it works, right? They are the experts in the room. All right. So any questions you have after service, find one of the people around you who have their hand raised. They can tell you all about sheep. Some of them probably used to show sheep. But here's the deal. We have to, as we come to this beautiful painting, as we look at this painting, we have to look at it through the eyes of a shepherd. And I want to show you quickly five observations, five quick things that I think are applicable to our life that are important in this text. The first one is this, as we stare and look at this beautiful painting, I want you to notice, I want you to notice the wide open spaces. And here's what that means to us. Just like sheep, we live in a wilderness. Implicit understanding in this text is that sheep and shepherd existed in wide open spaces. They did. They would be brought out of the village, week in, week out, let off into the wilderness. And that's where the relationship between the shepherd and his sheep was significant. That's where they would potentially encounter thieves and wild animals and storms. They would be in search of food and water. They didn't live in cultivated fields with fences. Those did not exist in this day. They existed and lived in the wilderness. Our lives are no different today. We live, the world we live in, our lives feel just like a wilderness, right? There are things around us that we're concerned about. We have to find ways to survive and pursue things. Life can feel just like a wilderness. We live in wide open spaces, but I want you to notice one of the most important things in this text is the he-me relationship. Ben talked about this last week. The he-me relationship that we read about throughout the whole 23rd Psalm. He leads me. He makes me. That's the he-me relationship. So in life, when we feel like we're all alone, it's important for us to remember that he is with me. But even with that truth and even with that understanding, many of you this morning as Christ followers, and we oftentimes get to places like this, are asking that one simple question. God, where are you? Where are you? I feel alone. How much longer do I have to pray that you would deliver me from fill in the blank? God, when will you show up in this part of my life? God, how much longer do I have to live like this? God, where are you? There's this very familiar Christian poem. Most of you have heard it. It's called Footprints. And it, I think it's an appropriate poem and it describes a lot of what I think David's trying to teach us and show us and communicate to us in the 23rd Psalms. Listen to what it says. 
One night, I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life had flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you would leave me. And he whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you, never ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. One of the most familiar depictions of Christ is him carrying a lamb or the shepherd carrying sheep on his shoulders. You can see a picture there on the screen. In so many ways, that's what scripture, the whole of scripture is pointing to. That we are not alone. And, and I know that we hear this phrase a lot. And I know that you know this already. But can I just, can we just, no matter where you are today in life, no matter what you're going through, no matter the odds or the obstacles that you face, you are not alone. He's with you. That's the he-me relationship that David is pointing to. Notice the wide open spaces. Just like sheep, we live in a wilderness, but I've got good news. We're not alone. As we stare at this painting, what's the second thing that you see? Look at it. As we look at it, what, what, what do we notice? We notice the green pasture. Just like sheep, we need to be fed. In David's day and age, in David's world, when he wrote these words, green pastures were not natural. As a matter of fact, the hills around Bethlehem where David kept his flock were not lush and green at all. And even if you go to that part of the world today, you're going to see primarily dry, parched, white, and brown chunks of land. So what in the world was David talking about? What green pastures, you might ask? When people heard this, that they, David, what, are you what green pastures are you talking about? For green pastures to exist in that day and age, shepherds would have to cultivate the land. They would have to go out, remove rocks and thorns and brush and all kinds of junk so that the ground could be suitable and fertile for 
green grass to grow. That's what the shepherd does. The shepherd clears out the junk so that the right things can grow. And what does green pastures symbolize? This is really good, hang with me. What does green pastures symbolize? Throughout scripture, it symbolizes God's word, his truth, his nourishment, manna, right? That's green pastures. So put those things together. What's David telling us? The good shepherd in our lives, because we need to be fed, because we need to be nourished, what does he do? He goes into our lives and he begins to clear out the stuff. He begins to clear out the, the rocks and the thorns and the brush. So that what? So that his truth can take up root in our life and it can grow and we can be nourished with what? The truth of God's word. That's what the good shepherd does. When it says green pastures, he's saying, hey, the shepherd's gonna provide. He's gonna make a way. He's gonna clear out the stuff so that the truth of God's word can, can grow in our life and we can find nourishment when we need it. So today, if you're questioning, if you're doubting, if you're hurting, if you're looking for an answer, it's in God's word. He's cleared out the space in your life so that when you encounter his word, it'll take up root and when you need it, it's there. That's what David is referring to when he says, Green pastures, what else do we see? When we look at this beautiful painting that David has for us, we notice the green pastures, but then we notice the quiet waters. Just like sheep, we long for peace. It's a great book entitled The Good Shepherd by M.P. Krikorian. It's a man who grew up in a little small village near Tarsus, southeast Turkey. When he was a young man, school age, his father took him out of school and put him in charge of a flock of sheep. Parents, don't get any bright ideas, all right? Don't do that in the fall. Would not advise him. I'm not advocating for that today, but his father did just that. His father took him out of school, placed him in the field and gave him nearly a hundred sheep to look over. This man eventually became a pastor, moved to America and became a Methodist pastor. And he wrote a book, this book, The Good Shepherd. Looking back on his experiences and what he learned tending that flock. And he talks about this particular phrase of quiet waters in Psalms 23. Listen to what he writes about. Listen, this puts it beautifully in perspective. Listen to what he says about the importance of quiet waters and sheep. It says this, within sound and sight of water, they, the sheep, would all begin to run toward it, showing that they were very thirsty. Yet, at their arrival, as I watched them, only a few would begin drinking, while others all along the edge of the water like pedestrians on a fashionable street in a great metropolis, kept passing each other up and down the stream. I learned the valuable lesson that they, sheep, do not drink from rippling waters. They continue until every last one of them had found a quiet, 
little pool between stones showing above the ripples. No turbid streams or ruffled rivulets would tempt them. They want waters that move quietly. Sheep are afraid of rushing water. Let's make it personal. What in your life today has caused or created fear, anxiety, or worry? What is it? Studies show that after COVID, anxiety and worry, clinical depression, 25% increase across the board. Mental health is something we know about, read about, and hear about all the time. And it is in no doubt a crisis in our world and in our culture, and most importantly, even inside these walls. Here's what this verse is communicating to us. The good shepherd will lead us to peace and tranquility. That's what he does. In troubled times, in troubled waters, he will lead us to a place of peace. So friends, I've got good news for you. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going through, you fill in the blank, whatever has you worried or afraid, the good shepherd wants to bring you to a place of peace where the, water, where the waters are still and quiet and it's safe to drink. That's what the good shepherd does. As we look at this painting, what's the fourth thing we see? Look with me. Notice Notice the posture. Notice the posture of the sheep. He makes me lie down. Just like sheep, we seek satisfaction and safety. No one, no one can make a sheep lie down. They don't do it. It's not a natural place or posture for them. No one can make a sheep lie down. Sheep will only lie down when they've had plenty to eat, their thirst has been quenched, and they feel safe from wild animals. We hear that phrase, he makes me lie down, and it, and it creates an unnecessary obstacle for us in interpreting and understanding that verse. Because it seems like it's forced. Like he makes me lie down. So we come to a place of like, how do we handle that? If, if you're telling me, Terry, that sheep can't be made to lie down, but yet that's what the verse says. Well, here's what I would tell you. When you get into the etymology of, of these verses and that particular phrase for sure, there's a really, really great Old Testament Greek word. And that's the word kataskinu. Kataskinu. And that's the word that's used in this verse. And kataskinu means to settle down. It means to bring about a calm and settle down. And so when you look at it through that way, the verse reads, he settles me down beside the quiet waters. Kataskinu. He settles me down. Just like sheep, we have a really difficult time settling down. We do. 
we have a really hard time of resting. We have a hard time of slowing our lives down and creating space to rest, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. We don't do good when it comes to resting. Sheep will only lie down when what? They're fed, their thirst has been quenched, and they feel safe. God gives us his word so we can be nourished with his truths. He brings about peace in our life so that we can feel safe and secure. Sheep lie down to do what? To digest their food. That's what they lie down for. They lie down to digest what they have taken in. Here's what David's telling us. It's important for us to still our lives, quiet our lives, pull back and rest. So what? So we can begin to process and digest the truth that God has given us, the places he has brought us to, so that we can understand what he has for us. So much of our inability in life, friends, when it comes to understanding where we are with God in our relationship, or understanding what he has for us, not as be, not, it's not because he hasn't provided, it's because we don't do good with stealing our lives enough to hear from him. Sheep lie down when they're nourished, when their thirst has been quenched and they feel safe. What if this Memorial Day weekend, when you go home today and you fire up the barbecue, or you begin to lay out by the pool, spend time together with your family, which is a beautiful thing. What if you unplugged? What if you detached? And what if you found some moments to simply say, God, what do you have for me? What are you trying to show me? What if you begin to rest in maybe some truth that he has reminded you of? Maybe even this morning in our time together. What would he say to you? What would he have for you? What would he show you? If you, if you begin to simply lie down. The last thing we see, and this is a unique thing, but I, I had to mention it today. The last thing we notice at this beautiful painting is notice the position. Notice the position. Look with me really quick. Look at Psalms. 22, verse 1. Find it with me. Psalms 22, verse 1. Listen to what it says. First verse. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where do we hear those words? Who says those words? Jesus on the cross, right? Psalms 22, the whole of it, is vivid prophecy of what? The cross. Look at Psalms 24. 24 Psalms, look at it. Verse one. The earth is the Lord's in all it contains. The world in those who dwell in it. 
the 24th chapter of Psalms is a picture of the crown, the king over it all. The whole chapter points to the fact that Jesus, that God is Lord over all of creation and all of creation belongs to him, it's under him. And at some day, the time and the place that he sees fit, he's going to redeem and restore all of his creation. That's 24th chapter of Psalm. Where is Psalms 23 positioned? Between the cross and the crown. The wilderness, the wide open spaces that we do life in is positioned between the cross and the crown. In other words, two victories with a valley in between. Can I tell you guys something this morning? I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you have going on in your life, no matter the ups and downs, the difficulties, but as Christ followers, we are positioned between the cross of Calvary and the crown of creation, and God has us. He is with us. That's the he-me relationship that Psalms 23 is all about. We live, we exist, we do life between the cross and the crown. And isn't that good news? This famous painting, this masterpiece, is not hung in the Louvre. It's not in the Metropolitan. Where does God want to hang this beautiful masterpiece on the halls, the hearts of all of humanity? That's where he wants this painting to reside, in the heart of all of us in this room, to remind us the good shepherd is always with us. He provides. He brings peace and he's got us.